We are back and powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're continuing to talk to Mike McMahon, college hockey insider. Read his sub stack. So next conference we're going to talk about is Hockey East. Obviously, it gets a tremendous amount of attention nationwide. Uh, you know, there's some a lot of heavy recruiting coming out of, you know, the national program and getting a lot of high-priced, high, like, you know, high players of skill and attention. Um, obviously, Macklin Celebrini going there, um, you know, certainly has garnered a lot of attention in that respect, and we'll talk about him in, later in the show. Thoughts about what this conference is going to look like? Because we always talk about BU and BC, lots of talent, but young. And there's other teams in Hockey East, you know, Mass, you know, uh, Northeastern, Providence, Mass Lowell that, you know, really compete hard and knock them out of there a lot because they've just changed how they recruited. So is that balance still in place where a lot of like young players, skilled players at BU and BC having to fight their way through more veteran, older players in other teams in the conference? It is. And if you look at the coaches poll in particular, uh, the coaches had BU number one, they had BC number two, they had Merrimack number three, and, and if and we could we'll talk about all those teams. But if if you draw a line there for a minute and say, well, one of these things is not like the other, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got BC and BU, a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, and a lot of eighteen-year-old freshmen, nineteen-year-old sophomores, younger players, but super talented. First-round picks, second-round picks, all over the place. Uh, and then you got Merrimack, not at all like that, not at all built like that. They've got some drafted players, but they're more middle to late round picks. And you look at their roster and they're just super experienced. They've got guys that are back for their grad year. They've got you know, several 24, 25-year-old guys on that roster that were on a team that went to the national tournament last year and and was in overtime with Boston University in the Hockey's Championship game last year. So that to me is like, that's probably the biggest story of the league. When you look at the top half, because you, you do, you've got BC and BU, real young, super talented. Then that next layer, you've got Providence, Northeastern, Merrimack, uh, those types of teams that are a lot older, comparatively speaking. Uh, and it's going to be and, and obviously skilled to, to get to that point where they're in the top half of the league. But it's going to be that battle of the older veteran against the younger player. And can those 18-year-olds, particularly at BC, because there's so many of them, are those guys going to be able to acclimate to playing against older competition early enough in the year that it's it's going to show in the standings and they'll be one of those top two teams? BC had a great start over the weekend, beating Quinnipiac in overtime. Yeah. That's, a, that's a huge test, right? A huge test, and they passed it. Uh, but you know, there's there's several more of those those tests along the way. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's one of the things that Merrimack kind of reminds me of a team that should be in the you know in the NC the NC, right? Like there's more of a grinding team. Like they're just like, they look like a team that should be in the old Adams division or in the old Norris division in, in the NHL back in the, back in the eighties, just big, strong up and down the wings, like plate heavier hockey in that respect. You know, if I look at it from my perspective and I don't see it called chalky all the time, as much as I love the skill on some other teams, I'm leaning towards Merrimack. Like just a way of grinding them at the teams at the end of the year and then into the playoffs when that's one and done. And they're just like big, strong kids, men in many yeah. cases, when you have 23 and 24 year olds on your roster. 
Yeah, and Providence is built the same way, and, and that's yeah. why I don't think it's a surprise when Scott Borg, the head coach at Merrimack, where was he? You know, he was with UNH for a long time as an assistant, but where was his last stop before he got the head job at Merrimack? He was an assistant at Providence underneath, yeah. and saw how they built their teams. And it is, it's, it's kind of that perfect balancing act because they they do go and get some younger players every once in a while. Uh, they're they're top end guys. Like you look at their drafted guys. Alex Jeffries is a senior now, but he came in as an 18-year-old freshman. And Matt Capone is a junior now, but he came in as an 18-year-old freshman. Both of them right out of prep school. Uh, you don't see that happen very often. But I think you know they're in a, in a situation where they have to take those players earlier than maybe other teams would, so you don't run the risk of losing them if they were to go to the USHL and, and have a big yeah. year. Uh, but you complement that with the guys that came in when they were 20, and especially now with that fifth year. I mean, you look, they got a lot of fifth-year guys here using their their fifth year COVID year that, that decided to come back. Uh, and it felt like with them, the Jeffries move happening first because the Islanders offered Alex Jeffries a contract. When he decided he was going to come back, that seemed to be the domino effect that prompted oh, a lot a of chance other guys. To win. Yeah, prompted a lot of other guys to say, well, you know what, then, then I'm going to come back too and use my fifth year and get a grad degree. And, uh, you know, they're, it, it is clashing styles in the way that BC and BU are built and the way that, you know, Providence, Northeastern to a certain extent, definitely UMass Lowell and Maryland. That's why I think it's interesting. And then you got UConn, who's sort of a combo. Like, UConn's kind of a funny team because they're kind of a combo of both. You know, Mike Cavanaugh has been able to go out and get those those star-studded younger players like a Matthew Wood, and then they also sprinkle in some grad transfers and some older guys. Like UConn's kind of that team that's that's right down the middle uh, and, and, and across between those two philosophies. Yeah, I think it's interesting now that, I mean, obviously there's lots of kids that come out of USHL, but which ones go dip into Canada and which universities dip into Europe to supplement, to like augment against, because they can't compete all the time against the BUs and BCs, right? Because they can recruit in a, they recruit in a different way. So, you know, how many of the, you know, assistant coaches go off to recruit out of Canada, out of the junior leagues, out of the BC League or Alberta Junior League or, you know, one of the Ontario Junior junior Leagues or to get into Europe and find, you know, one or two of the European kids to come over. So I really find it interesting when the teams do that to compete against the younger skilled talent of the other teams. And I think that's, you know, when you look at those, look, Every New England kid, like every top New England kid, for the most part, is going to want to go to BC or BU or, or in, you know, within the last 10 years, Northeastern. Northeastern really wasn't in that conversation, but they are now. They yeah. put themselves here because most of those kids want to play in the Beanpot. So yeah, uh, it's it's harder for those other New England schools to get those top New England kids. They do sometimes, but it's harder. So I think you're right. I think that's when you've seen teams go to the Midwest sometimes. Uh, not so much Minnesota because it's hard to get Minnesota kids out of out of the state of Minnesota. But every once in a while, you'll you'll grab a kid or two. Uh, but definitely in some of those other markets, not only Canada, but some of those other Midwestern markets, Chicago area, St. Louis right. area, uh, even like California, Arizona, too, to a certain extent now, uh, are you, you've seen these other markets that are where the, the youth hockey game is expanding. And that's where some of those teams have gone. And a lot of them still go to the BCHL. Uh, BCHL in particular, it seems like in hockey East is where most of the schools go uh, to get, to get the kids out of Canada, but also uh, the Alberta league too. I mean, there's still plenty of recruits that are being committed out of the Alberta league that are going to hockey schools as well. Well, I mean, you got to be able to supplement and a lot of it particular because the BC kids will play till they're 19 or 20. 
So then you're getting a freshman who's a 19 or mostly in many cases, a 20 year old. Well, if you played three years in the BC league, or Alberta league, you are hardened. You got some leather on you. You have no choice, right? Cause they play with a lot of twenties in the, in those lineups. So I think that makes up for it too, which is, it's something I had a conversation actually with, with Rand Packnold at the world juniors about all the different teams and their recruiting, you know, strategies, which is why I think hockey East more than any of the conferences is the most fascinating because you have such divergent strategies. Right. And it seems to be the other one, other, you know, other universities are just competing against, okay, well, we can't compete and get the kids out of the program that BU and BC can. So how do we, how do we destroy them? How do we beat them? You know, and it has to be, it's almost like a Quinnipiac model. They show, you know, they ran kind of showed, Oh, Hey man, this is the only way we're going to get through. Like we can't beat the Minnesotas and, you know, the Michigans and the BUs and the BCs consistently, you know, and all these like top, top recruiting teams, unless we get in some older, bigger guys that can skate from all these other leagues. I mean, you look at it, right? The August 1st uh, deadline hour or the beginning of recruiting for, for the, the next year's class, right? Starts August 1st. And when those guys re- all commit for the most part, you know, the, that first week of August, where are they going? They're going, you, you see BC. BU, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota. You'll see a, a few Harvards here and there, uh, but it's really just a handful of schools that are getting all those top players that are going to the development program as as seventeen year olds, and those top high school juniors that are all committing August that, that week of August for North Dakota to Denver. But like, there's only it's only really a handful of schools that you see those kids go to for the every once in a while there'll be a curveball, but it's really centralized into like ten or 11, 12 schools. So everyone else has to do something. And, and it, you know, it goes all the way back to like 10 years ago now, but that's how UMass Lowell did it. Yeah. When they were going to the Frozen Four in 2013, like they're, they weren't loaded with stars that they recruited as 16-year-olds. Like Carter Hellebuck, no one knew who Carter Hellebuck was before he ended up going to UMass Lowell. And now, he, you know, he's one of the top goaltenders in the NHL. But it, that's what they did. They went out and recruited older players that, were a little more hardened could could for lack of a better term beat up on those younger kids a little bit they're a lot heavier they're a lot harder to play against and for those 18 year olds that come in they're coming in having really only ever played against other 18 year olds or kids their own age now you're playing against a 24 year old that's a it's a, it's a huge difference yeah 100 we'll take a short break on hockey prospect radio we'll continue with our college hockey preview right after this 